Welcome into the void, a deep dive music podcast into the best classic and current heavy music. And here are your hosts, veteran music journalist, formerly of Metal Edge, Dave Manick, host of online music show, Listen to the Lord on Rapture Radio, Lord Gates, the music industry insider with the encyclopedic knowledge of all that is heavy, Wild Bill, and our gear guru, veteran musician, J-Man. back once again on another episode of the into the void music podcast and we are going to be getting a little more personal than we typically do with the show because uh our guest our feature interview is a musician from a band that's up uh from up in new england and as all four of us as you're going to hear are from new england we wanted to kind of talk a little bit about that about why new england factored into the fact that we're all into heavy music beyond that we're going to also talk about the bands that are from that region of the country um, you know, there's more bands that, than you think of that are from New England. Uh, as you'll hear, the band that we're, we've interviewed, which is a band called Gozu. We interviewed their frontman and guitar player, Mark Gaffney. That's coming up later on in the show. Uh, he, again, is in a, a band called Gozu that we also featured in our episode about bands that fly under the radar. So if you haven't heard that episode, check that out. We named a, a bunch of really cool bands that you all want to check out. And Gozu's definitely one of them. That's our feature interview coming up later on in the show. But right now, we're going to be talking a little bit about how we got into heavy music and how being from New England factored into that. And we have an interesting pairing here because two of us are from the same town and the other two are from the same town. So we, we all grew up in Connecticut, but Jay, Jay man and I, uh, Jay man and Dave grew up in a town called Torrington and wild bill and Lord Gates grew up in the Northeast corner in Putnam. So let me kick it over to Lord Gates real quick. So I, I want to talk to you about, talk to you Lord Gates about just being from New England and why you think growing up there factored into you becoming a big fan of heavy music. Well, New England's always known for its shitty weather. Kind of like, you know, it's, there wasn't much to do except, you know, especially in high school, drink, go hang out at the parking lot, you know, do the five knuckle shuffle sometimes. <laughs> I mean, it was fucking boring. I'm not going to lie to you. You know, you had to make the best of it. So rather than sit like a, a chump on a, like a lump on a log and do nothing, I decided to go to shows and just get the fuck out of town and go over to province, Rhode Island, or go up to Boston, Mass, or go out to Hartford, or go to New Haven, and New London, or Vermont. I mean, Bill and I have gone all the way up to freaking New Hampshire to see freaking bands because we were drawn to that heaviness at an early age. For me, it was my cousin from Cape Cod who turned me on to a lot of hairband stuff, whether it was Twisted Sister, Motley Crue, Kiss, and then like ACDC. Then later on... Uh, it kind of the, you know, the back to the future timeline, you know, where there's, there's two different timelines when Bill and I were in high school and we started hanging out, we started listening. Oh, I was listening to a lot of stuff that he was listening to, like, you know, Metallica and Anthrax and Maiden. And then my cousin, Randy Larson, who is the bass player and lead singer from Cable. Uh, I started, we were working together in some shitty like grocery store a stock clerk just hating life we decided to start a band i started playing drums and he started playing bass and this is before cable but he got me into hardcore music so that's why i went to a okay. lot of punk and hardcore shows especially in providence rhode island and boston and hanging out with all those 
guys that were in bands in that era just made me want to go out every single weekend instead of sitting in the parking lot withering away in my shitty mm. little hometown I decided to go out and just check out metal as far as why it was heavy I just think it was the people I was hanging out with and New England has always had that like creepy October Salem witch trials fucking you know folklore evil craziness you know it gets darker you know around September October Mm -hmm. and that music was always fitting it was always played at Halloween parties or played out at keggers in the woods and it was just I never really hung out with people that listened to country music or classical music or rap or stuff like that it was always just metalheads I'm going to kick it over to my, uh, my fellow Torringtonian, uh, J-Man. I want to hear your perspective. Tony, like my wife says, she, she says we sound like we're from, like we're, we're part New York City. We're Tonytonians. Torringtonians. Because everybody, everybody talks like they're from you know, Little Italy and stuff, but we're like- Tony, Tony, the, Tony. We're up in like the Berkshires in Connecticut. So, so J-Man, what, what was it about growing up in Torrington or growing up in Connecticut and New England that kind of veered you into the path of, uh, of heavy music? Well, Brad, I'll start with the fact that this is this is like pre-cassette. This is like 8-track slash FM radio. FM radio was so huge. And right where we are, we got three awesome hard rock channels, WCCC, WHCN, and WPLR. And every one of them, three that's three stations doing 365 of everything from Ozzy, Black Sabbath, Jewish Priest, Led Zeppelin, Foreigner. That's part of it. So, you know, you... Anytime you got the radio on, you have heavy music. It's not, it's not pop unless you're like mom switches it to the disco channel. But mo- most of the time you're like, no, put it back to CCC or something, you know? And you got an uncle that uh, Tommy Doom, Uncle Tom, UT, you know, he, he like throw on Black Sabbath and give me a little Budweiser pony and says, let's, let's go get some Kiss t-shirts. So I'm like, all right, this is, this is life. This is normal, normal shit. So that's, right. that's pretty much it, bro. And then Pierce, cool. football team. What do you listen to? Metal Church, Metallica, Slayer, and Megadeth before you go to the field. You just crush heads. That's, that's, yeah. that's Torrington right there, bro. Bill, Bill remembers this. Our mascot was the Clippers. Remember that? The ship. Clipper. The Clipper ship. But my senior year, 1990, yeah. we renamed ourselves the War Pigs because all we used to listen to was Black Sabbath. So, they, so people were nice. like bringing these like – these boars, these like like fake boars, and like you know make, uh, making boar. It was crazy shit, dude. But like, yeah, football team was. We're yeah, we're dude, not gonna right, be though. the Clipper ship. We're gonna be the War Pigs. But you're right though. Being in New England, it scary heavy music, heavy life, factory work. Mm. I guess it's just inbred as part yeah. of life, right? You know. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, Wild Bill, you're again once you were uh, growing up with Lord Gates over in Putnam, so. And, and, and you had, I mean, other things factor into this as far as like siblings and older siblings that kind of turned you onto it. So how was it that you got into heavy music and, and how did being from Connecticut in that area of the country figure into it? Oh shit. Well, like you said, I've got, um, I had two older brothers and my, and my sister who are all and my parents. Um, my parents were into, my mom was big into Elvis and, um, Dionne Warwick and Kenny Rogers and, and my dad was a big country guy, like Waylon Jennings, Willie Nelson, Johnny Cash. So they they always had that plan. And then my brothers and sister were big into, obviously, Zeppelin and Sabbath and everything that was out in the 70s. And so there was a lot of concerts 
that I went to. I was fortunate enough. I, you know, I've seen George Thorogood. I saw you two on the first tour when they uh, toured the United States back in '82. Oh fuck! So I saw man. like a shitload of really cool shit. I didn't realize it at the time. I was just like this fucking kid that. But when I was um, nine. This kid, he was new. He was new to the school, so he comes on the bus, and, like, people are kind of fucking with him, whatever. So I'm like, hey, man, you know, started talking to him. He's got he's got this magazine, and I'm like, who is that on the cover? Like, what is that? He's like, do you listen to music? Like, do you like music? And he was about two years older than me. And I said, yeah. I was like, who is that? He's like, oh, this is Kiss. I was like, oh, I've seen Kiss. I've heard of Kiss. So... He, I went over his house one day after school. Like I got off his, he lived like maybe two miles from, from me. We went in and this kid had like, like everything kiss in his room. So I'm just like sitting there, like I open up alive and he puts it on and I'm just, I've got it opened up and I'm just sitting there like, holy fuck, who is this? So my brother comes one day with an eight track. He's got a kiss eight track. And I don't, I don't even remember which one it was and he had it. So I started listening to that. I had an eight track player, uh, in my room that was like a hand me down from them. And I had like, you know, all these eight tracks from fucking seventies. So I'm listening to that. And then that's where from there it kind of got into, um, I went, I saw the grateful dead when I was eight and got high as fuck and didn't realize what it was. I was like, these cigarettes don't smell like dads. And my brother's like, ah, don't worry about it. They're special cigarettes. <laughs> I've talked about that on other episodes, but, and then my brother's like, Hey, I got, got you fucking hooked up. I don't, I don't remember. It was like fifth row or 10th row or whatever, but I saw a kiss in 79 oh. and, uh, it was like 79 or 80. Somewhere Dynasty tour dynasty. And it was yep. Dynasty, yeah. Oh, and it man. Was Providence. And it was, I was like, again, like, wow, they've got the same cigarettes that that other concert had. <laughs> so watching that, like, immediately I wanted to be Peter Chris. I was like, actually, I wanted to be Ace Freely. But I, lo- I, lo- I love drums. Like, I started really getting into drum drum. But I always loved guitar players. Like, I'm a fucking guitar player that plays drums. If that makes any fucking sense. No, it does. I love guitar. I love it. Mm -hmm. Like I just don't have the fucking patience to play it. So I've always just went and played drums. So go fast forward a little bit. So I'm like 12 or 13. My friend Craig Ash gets me into Iron Maiden and I'm like, what is this? So I fall in love. And then he, his two favorite bands and all he listened to was Iron Maiden and Rush. Mm-hmm. So that's all I heard. Right. So from there, that's where I started getting into, um, you know, the heavy music. And, you know, like you guys said, whenever we like for high school, like for football, we always fucking had something crazy, heavy playing in there uh, in the locker room. Um, after practice, everybody had shit playing keg parties, regular house parties. It was always something heavy. And me driving around, I initially had a truck. And I flipped it and rolled it end over end and fucking totaled it. <laughs> so then I got this Plymouth Horizon, and nice. my buddy had a bunch yeah, of. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> you remember that? So yeah, my buddy I remember that. Had a bunch yeah. of speakers and a stereo because his dad or something uncle used to own a stereo shop. So one Saturday we spent three hours putting as many speakers and ma- as many yep. places in that fucking car as we could and amps and everything. Yep. So it was fucking loud. And shit. and uh, yeah. wait, wait, what Bill, were you playing? Bill, what, song, what, Bill, dude, what was the CD? Were, were, was the it 
cassette or seen? It was cassette, right? It was cassette. Right? No, cassette. it was, all, it was cassette. So what cassettes were in rotation when you first powered that bitch up? Oh, the first well, one I gotta know. What, is it, what was, era are we talking? Uh, was was the cult electric? I think was the yeah. Part, but the you, you also had. I remember going sideways down the road <laughs> during a snowstorm. You remember this? You came and picked me up. You're like, we're gonna hang out at my house, and he's going. So he's driving like this, <laughs> and the and the it's the garage days five ninety eight EP. Oh shit! And he's looking. He's looking. He's looking at me like this. And we're going sideways, so we're just like, like, <laughs> like we'll hit a snowbank whenever we hit it. Yeah, oh, something shit. will stop us eventually. Yeah. I had those two. So um, I had all these tapes because people would come in because we would literally stuff like in the back, it had the faults back. So you could put a keg mm-hmm. or a keg and a bunch of other alcohol around it. And when you shut the back, the faults back went down. Right. So if you looked That's in, right. like we got pulled over all. Yeah, look clean, man. Once you yeah. looked in, it just looked like it was a blue back. You couldn't see right. the keg or anything else. So <laughs> we had, uh, and I, we used to stuff at least eight people in that fucking thing, mm-hmm. and it was a stick. It was a stick shift. So they're like, people would it's call like this me big. and start planning <laughs> know, it like dude. on a Friday. Like, yeah. <laughs> like all these people would be like, bro, bro, hey man, you can pick me up, man. Hey man, can, can you pick me up? Let's go. What are we doing? <laughs> bro, bro, bro. What are we doing Saturday? Like, hey man, what? So because we would, I, it would fill up quick. But yeah, that that whole thing kind of pushed me into, and then playing um, my my cousin Pero when I got my drum set, my my cousin Brian. Um, who was one of, he was like a brother to me. He was my cousin, but we were very close. Uh, he passed away or right before my mom passed away. Some, somewhere right around that same time. Um, I lost him and it was, it was really tough, but him and I started playing at the same time. So he got a guitar and an amp. I had the drums, so we would play. And then Greg got, like sang, and then we got a couple other guys. So we had a band with, with those guys. It was just, it was fun. We were like, we felt like fucking rock stars. And that's where the whole metal thing came in. Cause we didn't want to play anything else. It yeah. never even crossed our mind. That was, that's what the weird thing is going back to all that. Like I never wanted to listen. I, I didn't mind country. I didn't mind country music at all. I liked Elvis. You know, Elvis was, was fucking Elvis. And from a very young age, I never wanted to listen to anything else i didn't want to be a part of anything else even in high school like people were into like kind of the who and some classic there was a couple clicks you know this one click of a couple dickheads that were all like about the who and this and that and i like the who but i was just kind of like eh, you know it's not I, I like the who but i like fucking metal man like metallica and and Dawkins and kiss and all that great there was so much cool shit hopefully that explains it i actually <laughs> it all went wrong <laughs> i actually want to segue this to dave because i want to ask you about how you got into metal but dave i want to ask it this way do you remember how old you were and what you were listening to before metal and then you went to metal Thriller. I mean, I was never well, owned Thriller. I was I was listening to it, you know, at the off the wall. I mean, I got I got into heavy music at an early age, so it was so before I handpicked what I wanted to listen to, it was just whatever my parents were listening to. But the one cool thing I will say about, and it's kind of I don't know if it's really nothing to do with growing up in Connecticut, but just growing up in general is my parents 
and this was, you know, before there was a lot of cable, but my parents on a Sunday afternoon or Saturday afternoon, there would be no TV on, you know what they do? They put on music on the record player yeah, and we would, we yeah. would all just kind of hang yeah. out in the house, whether you were doing chores around the house or just a reading or whatever it was, it was like, no, we're not putting the TV on. They put a record on we would just sit there and listen to music. Um, and so it was big, a lot of Neil Diamond, a whole, it was a ton of Neil Diamond. So I still like Neil Diamond today, uh, you know, and then my parents would, whatever they listened to. I mean, my mom and dad listened to some old fifties and sixties music, but yeah, I mean, it was the first time I ever picked my own music. I, my aunt let us borrow this K, one of the, remember those KTEL records collections where it would be like yeah, assorted right. artists and all that stuff. Like, yeah. Get them from Caldor or Bradley. Yeah. Yeah. Or something like yeah. That. So yeah. it was, it was one of the KTEL collections. I, I've, I've actually found it online. So it was a KTEL collection and, um, and it had, you know, the little circular pictures of the artists that were on there. And it was Kiss and it was Christine 16. Oh. And I, I still remember hearing that song and seeing the picture of Gene. It was like, I, my head almost exploded. Like, I was like, <laughs> what the, what is this? Like, I listened to it again and again and again and again. And then like a month or two later, my aunt, the same aunt that loaned me the KTEL record, bought me and my brother double platinum, Kiss double platinum. Oh. And I mean, that was like, that was it, man. I was like beyond the kiss was everything to me. Like it, it wasn't just the music I listened to. I, I wanted to be, I still remember when I was 11 years old, my dad said, you know, the, the first time your parents say, what do you want to be when you grow up? It was like, I either want to be a professional football player or a rock star. And they just laughed at me. But I was like, you know what? I don't care. I don't care what Crush. anybody says. Yeah. You know? No, because, because I look, we were, we, we tried to do, I mean, we tried, we were in, we, the three of us were in a band and we, and we yeah, went for it, you know? So nobody, nobody told me like we couldn't go for it. We went for it. For, for me, there's two, the two main reasons I think growing up in Connecticut affected me being into heavy music besides being introduced to Kiss. But the two things that I associate with New England are number one, like you guys already touched on it is there's something about the darkness of the fall in the Northeast that is like it, it, especially if you're attracted to heavy music and the darker side of heavy music, whether it was black Sabbath or Ozzy or, you know, for me like Metallica or maiden, it was like something about when it got close to Halloween, it got to be September and the, in the leaves and it got dark early at night. And there's just something about that. That's alluring to the darker, aspect of life. And I, I've always been drawn to that darker aspect of life, which is why I'm into heavy music, which is why I'm into horror movies. But it's like, there's something about that that just, they went together. Like Halloween and heavy music are a perfect combination. Always have been for me. Like they, there's, they, they're interchangeable. I mean, they're like, they're connected completely. And the other thing too is, is, and we touched on it also. I don't think, I don't know if I, I was on a dark path when I was about 14 years old, me and Jay were listening to too much Genesis and Phil Collins. We were on a dark path. It was a dark time. <laughs> it was, it was, uh, I don't know what happened. I, it was, well, it was dude, so Miami, well, Miami Vice. Yes. Miami yes. Vice was part of the issue. Yeah. We, well, we were heavily into Miami Vice. We didn't have driver's licenses, so we couldn't go out. So we had to watch Miami Vice. So therefore you listen to Phil Collins. Yes. I'm going to be Tubbs. You're Crockett. I'm Tubbs. No, no, you're Tubbs. I'm Crockett. It's, but, um, but like right after my freshman year, right before sophomore year, I, I, somebody finally gave me like an Iron Maiden tape. It was somebody, I don't know if it was Jay or it was somebody like I got like a, maybe it was number of the beast and then live after death. And then being in the locker room for, you know, sophomore year of high school, the, those football players listening to, they listened to master puppets almost on repeat. It was like again and again and again. Yep. And it was like master, master, master. And I was like, it was just drilled into my brain. So between that and like Iron Maiden, 
that changed my life. Like that, well, that bro, changed I mean, the course of my football. life. It was weight. It was off season weightlifting. Yeah. So yeah. You're pounding. You're fucking hitting the weights. You're getting yelled at by coach K and what's on the background, fucking rain and blood. You know, yeah. it's like, you're going to be fucking brainwashed to be heavy as shit. Yeah. Cause we're know? jacked up on testosterone. We're playing right. football. We're jacked on testosterone. And what do you want to do? You want to, I mean, you put on the metal and you just want to go out there and pound people when you played football. It was like, it's what you put on. It was like, Injecting other things. We pulled, yeah. dude. <laughs> we pulled into uh, dude, we no pulled shit. into Valley Regional one time of my senior year. We pulled into Valley Regional to uh, p- to play them one afternoon of football, and it and it was dented die die and the whole bus is chanting hell yes die die and about. all these fucking people are going what the hell is that? Yeah. We got to think about it too, Dave. Dave hit on it. You figure. You had dark early. You had the weather change. The weather was, it was fucking crisp, man. By like Real October, crisp. November, it was, it started getting brisk. Yeah. It was fucking cold. So you, I mean, if you had a basement, everybody had a basement. What did you do in the basement? You were doing something in the basement. I mean, you were doing something. And music on, I know. Whether getting high and listening to music, you were playing music, always walking, you were doing something, you were partying, <laughs> sneaking beers. There's always music. I mean, yeah, somebody right. was doing something in the basement. Everybody, mm-hmm. like, our basement was finished because when my parents bought the house, they had, that was part of the thing that my dad wanted that finished. So we, they had, so where I jammed, and Greg will tell you, there's a big finished fireplace. It was all finished down there. We had all kinds of fucking furniture, the drum set. I mean, we had a fridge down there. We had a bathroom. I mean, like everything. So I was self-contained. We go down there, and you can hang out down there all fucking night. I mean, we only played music till my parents usually were like, hey, 10 o'clock, turn that shit off. But we can hang out down there and do whatever. But the other, you touched on it. You touched on it too, though, Bill. Which was when it got later and later at night. One of the cool things about being in New England is when ninety four HJY had the metal zone with the doctor, and that shit would come on at midnight, and you Mm -hmm. you'd be out in a field drinking, you know, or whatever you, whatever your house party, whatever. There was definitely a lot of drinking. It was a lot of drinking, a lot of drugs, drinking outside, dude. That was like that's talk about something unique to what our experiences, keg parties, yeah, hanging out in the woods. He'd play whatever you want, and he played a lot of local bands. That was the best thing. Is there was you know New England has some amazing. Local bands Fuck for yeah. heavy music. I mean, legends, tons. legends. Yeah, and that's another thing, Dave. They kind of have their own little story. Like, you know, the guys in Scissor Fight are kind of, you know, they just should we talk to these guys? <laughs> yes. Do they know like where Sasquatch is or the Wendigo or what the fuck? Yeah, yeah. You want to see something? Body. But that was the thing is is these bands, man. You supported them, and they became your friends, and you go in shittiest clubs on the planet. I mean, some of the clubs I went to weren't even clubs. I went to this one club one time in Providence, Rhode Island, called The Refrigerator, and I went and saw Into Another, Rain Like the Sound of Trains, and Shades Apart, all all these hardcore bands. And it literally was an abandoned warehouse that some dude was like, I'll just book a band here. Five bucks at the door. And then he left halfway during the first band. He took off because he thought the cops were going to come and shut it down. They never shut it down. They had like a generator with, you know, running all the power equipment. It ran out of gas. Somebody had to go get more gas. But that was the thing is you could have a, you could have a show anywhere in a, in a club, in a 
dirty ass bar in your in your basement whatever that was like you just played music wherever you wanted to have wherever you wanted to play music well that's i'm glad you mentioned that because i want to get i want to ask each of you guys um your favorite place to see a show in new england for the entire time you live there or even now like what's what was your favorite place to see a concert in new england so let's start with you wild bill what was your favorite place like unique something unique to new england what was your favorite place to see a show there wow that's fucking tough man I'd have to say probably um, it's it's one of two places. It's probably either Lupo's or, I mean, there were some good places in Boston too, but like so many great shows went to Lupo's. So I'd say either Lupo's or the living room. Club Babyhead's going to be like a close second. There you go. Just because Babyhead had yeah. so many bands also. Yeah, no, I feel bad. I mean, Jay, uh, I, I'm going to ask you, but I mean, I know you missed some prime concert time because you, right after, not long after high school, you were in the Marines. So in the, in the time of, of the time where I went to a lot of concerts in Connecticut before I left, um, you were in the Marines. But in any case, what would you have pointed as your favorite concert venue in New England? Lake Compounds. Because nice. to be outside mm. at a rock and roll show, hard rock, heavy metal, outside summertime Connecticut, at compounds was like, dude, you couldn't ask for a better party. It was just, it was the best of everything. You had um, the full size concert of a of a Hartford Civic Center slash New Haven Coliseum, but you had it outside in the perfect weather of Connecticut summer. So right there, nice, nice, nice. What about you, Lord Gates? I gotta go off of what Bill said. I mean, I spent so much time in Providence, even when even when Bill went into the service, I. I just fucking kept going there. My actually, I have two. My favorite one is is uh, Club Babyhead slash the Rocket because when I started going to Club Babyhead, it was actually called the Rocket, and I actually saw my first hardcore show there, which was Verbal Assault and Neutral Nation, and it was like '87, I think. And oh my god, I just fell in love with that club, and then it changed into Babyhead. I saw like clutch there on the self-titled record opening from manson i saw prong there fucking tad sick of it all i saw bush there i saw the toadies there i saw Mm -hmm. buzz oven drown pitch shifter so many of these bands a testament played there i think i think yeah i think it's a testament there tool i saw tool i filmed tool there but my second favorite one it wasn't around very long, but it had some amazing hardcore bands that would come in from New York. It was the Tune In down in New Haven, and um, it nice. wasn't around. It wasn't around that long, but I saw every single New York band come through. They would play at the Tune In on their way to go up to play at Providence. So I would go to the Tune In and see Sick of It All on a Friday. The next day, Saturday, I would go Providence to see them. And then Sunday, I would go to the matinee show at like the Middle East or wherever, which was another great venue up in, up in Boston. My number one place, um, and it's, to me, it was Toads, Toad's Place. Toads? I mean, oh, yeah, Toads, Toads in New Haven was a club. Yeah. But every, I mean, every major band um, that wasn't a, that wasn't because this was okay. So this is, let's say 88 through like 93. So in that five year time period, any band that wasn't like an arena band and they didn't have the, I don't know if the Webster theater was even there at the time, but all these bands would play toads. So I saw tool at toads. I saw monster magnet. I saw Slayer, Megadeth, Testament, 
Anthrax, Overkill, Living Color. I mean, I saw show after show after show at White Zombie. It was like everybody played at Toads. And not only did I, I mean, when I saw a few shows there when I was in high school, but then I went to college in New Haven. So every single show that came through Toad's place when I was in New Haven at that college for four years, I went to all those shows. So I was at Toad's all the time. And it was, it was a club, man. It was a small club. And it was every show in there was, it was like, you weren't no place in that, in that place. Were you far from the stage? I mean, you were almost no matter where you were, even if you were in the back by the wall, it was a great place to hear because you'd be near the soundboard. Um, but it was to me, I mean, toes was it man. And, uh, it was, you know, 40 minutes from my house, but then when I was in college, I lived there. So it was, you know, I, I love toads place. Vibe was always good in that place. Kind of like you said about, I think it was, you said about the, was it lupos that you just never saw a fight? I almost yeah. never saw a fight at toads place. Like people just knew how to mosh. It was like a time when people knew yeah. how to do it and not be assholes about it. Like, you know, you knew it was, you weren't being a dick. It's just how you just, you moshed. You weren't trying to start a fight. Um, it was it was pre ninety seven moshing pre ninety seven. That's the cutoff. You get past point. that, you get to ninety seven, and the bands are just like they're like, yeah, don't pick Fucking him up off kill the each ground. Other. Don't pick him up off the ground. Just let him bleed out. Stop on him, pussy. You know, and yeah. that you know what, it, it, Dave, it is it is where you grew up, and that and that's why Bill and I went to Providence, thirty minutes away. Mm-hmm. Not even like twenty five minutes, right? Right, twenty down, if you were driving, you know, really fast. But for you, it was Toads, and I only went to. I only started going to shows at Toads when the other clubs started to dry up. Mm. When the Providence right. clubs and the Boston clubs started to shift gears, people bought them out. Then I was like, you know what? Toads is still. They had that awesome pizza joint next door. Oh my gosh! Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yeah. Pep, Not that I'm motivated I'm trying to think. or anything, but, you know. No, but New Haven is famous for its pizza. No, but it's interesting <laughs> because, like, it, we, we did our interview with Mark of Gozu, so that let, led us into thinking, you know, what are some of our favorite bands that are, you know, born and raised and, and the bands that like, you know, didn't just have somebody born there and left. Um, but like bands that like stayed and, and became who they were based in new England and maybe stayed there for their entire careers. So we were we're going to talk about our, our, each of our five favorite new England bands. Um, again, that th- this is all inspired by our interview with Mark Gaffney from Gozu, which you're going to hear after our top fives. Um, but yeah, I mean, and before I mention the top fives, um, I just want to say there are two people that didn't make the list because we talked about our list and it had to be a band that was like, you know, formed and kind of, you know, stayed in, in that area. But two people are legends. One is Ronnie James Dio, uh, born in New Hampshire. Yep. And the other is uh, Rob Zombie, who was born in uh, Haverhill, Massachusetts. Massachusetts. Um, Massachusetts. Yep, yep. But neither of those. Haverhill. Haverhill. Not Haverhill. 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 Haverh
our guys was probably maybe the most excited of the bunch because he seemed to have a, a good batch of bands. So I want to start with Wild Bill. What are your top five New England oh. bands of all time? Here we go. Oh. Yeah. Here we go. Oh. <laughs> These are going to fist you guys. Oh, oh yeah. come on. You're always fantasizing. <laughs> Stand by for pain. <laughs> Snyder was- all right. My number five uh, band is Extreme. No, I'm just kidding. I'll get totally kidding. Get out. If you said extreme, I'm going to punch you in the dick because <laughs> you don't count. That's not music. Sorry. Excuse me. Shit, come on. That's all. Oh, <laughs> uh, Nuno. Listen, Gary. Nuno Betancourt. Nuno. Nuno. Listen Nuno. Fucking prodigy. No, no, Betancourt. That doesn't matter. More than words. I was going to play more than words and then go into it. Dude, you know how many intercourse activities have <laughs> how been? How many intercourses I had? <laughs> um, all right. So here are my top five. <laughs> Bands from New England. All right, right off the bat, out of the gate, I fucking love these guys. Um, I'm kind of biased because I've known the guy in the band for a very long time. Um, He's related to fucking Greg. Number five is Cable. That band, I love them. I've seen them a bunch of times. Randy's a fucking awesome dude. He's the real deal. He's a lifer um, as far as music, musician, um, he's honest. He doesn't compromise for anybody. I, I think he's a great dude. They're, my favorite album by them is Northern Failures, and my favorite mm. song is City Dump. <laughs> yep. Because, the, I mean, the I picked her up in Richmond and I dropped her off at the City, city Dump. Dump. Yeah, it's got, nice. the, it's got the, the little snippet from <laughs> Exorcist 3, which sick is bitches. one of we my. We mixed that. Favorite. We actually mixed that shit together, him and I. We yeah, took all the my, sounds and shit and mixed that. Yeah. My favorite fucking, one of my favorite horror movies of all time. So, number five is Cable. Number four, uh, I'm shifting gears here. It's not metal. It's heavy rock. Um, they had some great, great albums. Um, they uh, basically dressed up as uh, 18th century aristocratic fops. Um, <laughs> they had the snubbish, the snubbish, snobbish attitudes on stage and off when they were in their gear. Um, that's a band called The Upper Crust. Mm. And... Um, <laughs> They, they, the drummer, this is an interesting thing about the drummer. Jackie Kickass was his name as the drummer, but Jim Janata was his real name. Uh, Jim Janata was working at a record store um, back in the day when Pearl Jam was starting. Eddie Vedder came in, said, hey, that guy over there is looking for you. Eddie Vedder comes in. He said, hey, man, I heard you play Bonham-esque style drums. I'm putting a band together. I'd like to, you know, I'd like you to play drums for it. And he thought about it and he's like, nah, sorry, man. I'm just, I'm, he listened to the music. He's like, nah, I'm just not really interested in it. Yada, yada. He said, fast forward a little bit. Um, I guess when 10 originally got released, it wasn't super popular, but they had a copy of it when they released one of the videos. He said, somebody came in, bought that. And then he said, throughout the rest of the day, tons and tons of people started coming in. And he said, you know, fast forward like two years. He's like, fuck, well, did I make a mistake or not? <laughs> but, um, yeah, the band's called The Upper Crust. They've got uh, uh, a ton of albums out. Their their last album came out in 2017. They're very um, ACDC sounding, like if, if, if you check them out. But um, they're from Boston. They're fucking phenomenal. So check them out. Upper crust. I got to see them in concert, uh, I think twice. And just, they, they just don't give a fuck. And like I said, with that 
the powdered wigs and the fucking outfits and all that. It's, it's a pretty good. It's look. great. So that's my number four. My number three is Gozu. Everybody knows there's no fucking secret. I love Gozu. Um, I love all their stuff, but the last two revival and equilibrium are two of my favorite albums of all time. We just had uh, Mark Gaffney, like Dave talked about. So you hear Mark talk at the end of this podcast. Um, he's a friend of ours, friend of the show, friend of Greg and I. Um, great dude. Super awesome guy. Fucking, if you haven't heard of Gozu, go out, support these guys, buy their shit, listen to them, because they are fucking great. And they are going, they're right on the cusp, man. I'm telling you. So that's my number three. Number two, Scissor Fight. If you haven't heard of Scissor Fight, maybe you've been living under a fucking rock, but <laughs> I've seen them. A maybe should be here with rocks. Give it in, Captain Bill. Been living under those fucking Mount Washington rocks. That's what he but, uh, did. My favorite album uh, by them is Balls Deep. Balls, Balls Deep. Deep. Came out. Balls Deep. Great album. Great songs on that. Jibbity Captain Kid. Balls Deep. <laughs> song. We see. Great album. <laughs> It's one or two Love that shit, fucking Love scissor it. fight. So if you haven't heard of scissor fight either, do yourself a favor, listen to their shit because they are fucking legit. Uh, my number one, and then I've got an honorable mention, but my number one is Kilgore. Was Kilgore yep. Smudge? Yep. Kilgore. Um, Jay is, I met Jay and the other guys a couple times through Greg. Greg and Jay are, are good friends, but, um, I saw these guys as Kilgore Smudge, and they were, they were fucking blew me away. They are one of the tightest bands I've ever seen. Um, when they when the other album came out and they changed the name just to Kilgore, um, what is it? A Search for Reason? Is that yep, the, Search for Reason? Yeah. So that album, that album to me is one of the best albums to come out in the late '90s. It's probably in my top fifteen of all time, maybe ten. Mm. That album is flawless from start to finish. It comes out of the gate just fucking pounding. Steve it's got Miller. some slower stuff on there. It's got some melodic stuff, but it's just, it doesn't stop. It's like just vibe after vibe after vibe on that whole album. So that's, uh, you know, Kilgore is my number one. Uh, my honorable mention, if I didn't mention these guys as being a person from New England, um, I have to go with Sam Blackchurch. To me, they are yep. in their own genre. To me, Sam Blackchurch belongs on their own, and they are fucking great. Yep. If you've ever seen them live, you probably never get a fucking chance. <laughs> I have a couple times um, with Greg, and they are amazing. Nice, brother. So we'll we'll stay on the eastern side of Connecticut, and then we'll we'll end, we'll end it with the last two from the western side. So my, my the other eastern Connecticut gent, Lord Gates. What's your top five New England bands of all time? All right. Well, there's going to be a lot of repeats because Bill and I pretty much think the same way. I I'm going my with my first two honorable mentions first, and then I'm going to go with the five. My first honorable mention is the band awesome. Shed. <laughs> Shed. Nice. I Shed from Providence. Nice. They only had a couple albums, but they were right along the line, the the timeline with Kilgore, Kilgore Smudge. They would play at Baby Head, and, and they would and they would play at Lupos, and they just. I felt that their fan base was just local, local fan base. They did a couple of small little tours and stuff, but my God, live and amazing musicians and just amazing people. Now, 
my second one is Gozu. And the reason why I put Gozu there is I have a top five that I'm not deviating from. And I got into Gozu later. Like my bands are kind of like older bands uh, that I dig. Gozu just, what can you say about them? They're great. We love you. We love you, Mark. I'm sorry I didn't put you in my top five, but you're an honorable mention. Okay, number five, I'm going with a band from Massachusetts who has members of uh, Kill, Switch, Engage, and Shadows Fall, and Seamless. I'm talking about the band Overcast. Overcast is one of the best metal bands to come out of New England, hands down. They are some of the most incredible musicians and probably some of the nicest dudes that I've ever met. And my band used to play with them when I was in this band Momentum. We would play with them at like the Worcester Artist Group and these all these DIY clubs, eight ball skate park and shit. And can I use your drum set? Yeah. Can you want to use my drum set? Yeah. Can I use your amp? And then just kept that friendship as, as you know, as the hair got, as Brian Fair's hair got longer and the dreads got longer, they got more popular. And then Mike split off and went and did kill switch engage and Brian did shadows fall. And, uh, Oh my God, just, over, if you don't know who Overcast is, go out and get every single one of their records. They have a record that came out a few years ago called Reborn to Kill Again, which was all of their songs kind of redone and remastered with the original members. It's, it's great. Okay. Uh, number four is going to be Cable. Okay. And um, I have been a Cable fan since my cousin and I started playing music together before cable i bill i was on that northern failures tour which was just fucking nuts dude it was just insanity and those guys don't give a shit about anything they could care less if you like their music or not they just put music out put music out there's been different lineups but the the constant has always been like randy on bass and vocals and vic on drums and then you know, when Vic wasn't in the band, they did a new record a couple of years ago called Take the Stairs to Hell with uh, the drummer from Pieball and from Ameri- uh, American Nightmare. And oh my God, dude, they, it's just, they get, they get better and better and better as they go along. But I have to agree with Bill. Northern Failures is just a beer drinking, dope smoking, whiskey slugging record that you play when you're going off in the woods to shoot guns and you know, self-medicate and cry at the moon. And it's just unbelievable. Okay. What is that? Four? Okay. Four. Okay. Uh, number, let's see. Number three, I'm going to go with Kilgore. I absolutely love Kilgore. I think they are just an amazing band hands down, just unfucking believable. And if you don't know who Kilgore is, go out and get all their shit. And I love you, Jay. Jay's one of my uh, best friends grew up with him. I knew Jay, the singer, when he was playing drums, He's playing drums in a straight edge band and we played a couple shows together. He actually came, his band came over my house. I forget the name of them. The lead singer used to carve like an X in the back of his head or whatever, like, you know, in his hair and shit. But uh, we've been friends for a long, long time. And they have a record that came out a, a few years ago with the original members, which is, which is unbelievable as well. Um, so check out Kilgore. Okay. So what is that? Three? Someday this war will end is the name. of that. Yeah, that's it. So is that three? Yeah. Okay. So two, I'm going with a band from Newport, Rhode Island. That was the first hardcore band that I ever saw. And I love every single thing that they do. And they have not gotten enough recognition, except in the hardcore realm, but they are phenomenal. I'm going with Verbal Assault. Verbal Assault 
is this just straight up melodic hardcore band and they released a few albums and, a, and a, an EP and some demo stuff. And then they just kind of broke up and guys went on to do other stuff. But check out Verbal Assault. I've, I've seen them so many times live. I can't even remember. I just fucking, I can't even remember. And my number one is Scissor Fight because it's fucking Scissor Fight. Enough said. You don't know who Scissor Fight is. You need, you're not living on a rock. You should have rocks thrown at you. Go fucking listen at Scissor Fight. There you go. It's, there's no, there's no better endorsement than that. That uh, you should uh, get, get off from under the rock or hit yourself with a rock if you don't listen to Scissor Fight. So, mm-hmm. all right, my my fellow touring Tony and my my Tony North, Tony. my Northwestern Connecticut brother, and and I mean that we've been together since we we're twelve fucking years old. But hit hit us up, buddy. What's your top five New England bands of all time? I gotta go with the honorable mentions because, dude, when you live in New England, you guys all did it we have so much love for that area that we can't narrow it down to five, right? Yep, I agree. So we pledge allegiance to out of Torrington, Connecticut. We got Aftershock. You got to give it up to Aftershock. Those guys <laughs> slayed Torrington, fucking the Armory, the fucking the best Iron Maiden and, and Metallica covers. How do I feel like somebody in this group was probably in that band? <laughs> yes. They we got, the you, Dave? Then you got yeah. the, the official – the ver- the if SOD grew up in Torrington, Connecticut, it would be ICUP, and it was yes, thrashing sarcasm. What does ICUP stand for? ICUP. 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 That's insane, Greg. Come on, that's it. It's yeah, not like it. insane. No, 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 no. just ICUP. Honestly, the most cr- <laughs> I, mean, I got to say, the most cred. I'd say out of Torrington, Connecticut, you got Atrocity, who became like literally the early pioneers of death metal. They started in Torrington. But then you give it to Creature Did, guys I went to high school with. They, dude, they tore up Nirvana style grunge in Connecticut, New England, before it even fucking people knew what the hell that was. They were influenced by the Pixies even before Nirvana put their first CD out. So I give it up to Creature Did. But when we go to my official list, I wanted to put Malaya Rage out of Boston. Nice. I wanted to put him there because we're thrash. We love yeah. thrash, right? Good band. Yep. Dude, the same time that I got into violence and that I got into um, that second round of uh, San Francisco thrash, Malaya Rage is right there, dude. And mm-hmm. Sully Erna, dude, is credited for, for playing drums on one of those albums. So I just got to give it up to Malaya Rage. But I know we got to get to the list. So at number five kind of a side project, I guess, but all these guys are, you know, they stand on their own with seamless Dave, a bunch of seamless CDs for me. I'm like, this, this riffing is so fucking good. And the tonality of their, I'm guessing it's Mesa type tone. It's just fucking man. They can shred. That's Jesse and uh, Jesse and Pete. Dude. I love the way those guys riff, man. I just love it, dude. Uh, after Seamless, I'm going up to New Hampshire. I'm going to Scissor Fight, and I give it up to Captain Bill because it was gibbeted Captain Bill and Balls <laughs> Deep in Nature. He's like, dude, you've got to hear. Here's Bill. <laughs> Bill's always turned me on to music that probably was out of reach because you just didn't know. There was this before the real internet. It was like, if you didn't have good word-of-mouth contact, you didn't know where the shit was coming from. He's like, Scissor Fight, you got to get it. So, Scissor Fight. And wasn't for bill again i'd be at like number three kilgore mm-hmm. providence rhode island we went to Ozfest. here's kilgore on the one of the stages 
fuck, man. Holy shit. Can those guys fucking write songs? So love Kilgore. I want to put, this is tough, man. I'm going with, uh, so I'm at number, I'm at two now. Which out of Vermont slash Massachusetts. You guys familiar with Dinosaur Jr.? Mm-hmm. Yep. You know how Jay Maskus was the uh, guitar player in Design- Dinosaur Jr.? Mm-hmm. Uh, he came out with uh, an album in 2005, a side project between him and a, a couple guys out of Massachusetts, Vermont. The band's called Witch. Dude, me loving stoner rock and loving fuzz tones, it's like Witch did this doomy New England alchemy type of fuzz. Ah, man, you just feel like you're at some kind of like pagan witch ceremony when you listen to this stuff. It's, it's fucking great. But at number one, another, uh, another shout out to Wild Bill. And actually, the first time I was able to actually drink beers with uh, Lord Gates was at a show in Somerville, Massachusetts. Is that the yep. once? And it was uh, Truck Fighters, Kings Destroy, and Gozu. Mm. So I put Gozu at number one as far as my, f- my favorite right now. New England band. I mean, they bring everything from the thrash that we grew up in in the 80s to the stoner rock that comes out of the desert with Caius and then moves to LA with with uh with Queens of the Stone Age and then some like Portland, San Francisco high on fire. And it puts it all in one package and you're like, "Holy shit, dude. I could hang with these guys. I know exactly what they're talking about when they're writing their riffs and they're 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 singing their songs. It's gozy, man." Nice, nice. All right, so my my list is going to be it's going to show kind of the range of what I listen to because you'll hear the band that I have at number five and the band I have at number one are just about at the opposite ends of the spectrum here. But uh, yeah, my number five is um, is and I'm not I, I would never I could never profess to be a huge fan of hardcore. It's just not a, a style of music I've listened to a lot of. But my number five band is Hatebreed. They're a Connecticut band. Solid um, band, man. So Solid Connecticut, man. born and bra- born and raised. Um, I I really do like Hatebreed, and and I think Hatebreed has you know everybody that knows um, uh, Jamie Josta is he's as much he's got one foot in metal and always has you know I mean he did Kingdom of Sorrow with Kirk from Crowbar. I mean he's a metal guy. I mean no no doubt Jamie he did Headbangers Ball. Of course he hosted that. So he's a big metal guy. Uh, there's a lot of metal in their in their music. I love Rise of Brutality. It's my favorite album by them. My favorite song is Doomsayer, um, which is an unbelievable song. Love that. Uh, so my number five is Hapery. My number four, Jay already mentioned it. I love Seamless. Um, you know, Jesse Leach can sing his ass off. And you heard that in, in Killswitch before he left to do it the first time when he left. And then, he, of course, he came back to Killswitch. But that guy can sing. Um, and the two Seamless, there's only two Seamless albums, but they're both great. The first self-titled is probably my favorite, but they're both really good albums. And man, Seamless is, I wish they would have continued. I understand why he went back to Killswitch. It makes sense. It's just from a financial perspective. I mean, why wouldn't you? I mean, Killswitch is a very successful band, Uh, but I love Seamless. They're my number four. My number three, we all mentioned them. We all like Gozu. Um, Gozu's, again, I agree with Bill. They keep getting better and better and better and better. And they're on the rise. I mean, this is a band that with every single album kind of, continues to define themselves and get better and better and the sound gets better i love the last two revival and equilibrium my favorite song is oldie on revival but i love all their stuff but especially the last two as bill said those are that's they're finding themselves and gozu is right on the cusp and maybe they'll they'll use this downtime you know maybe he's got more great music up his sleeve mark does and maybe this is like you know the the springboard towards their next album which is going to take him over the top but that's my number three my number two is a in the stoner realm. They're they're pretty legendary amongst a lot of people who who love stoner. That's Elder, 
elders from Massachusetts. Oh, yeah. Dude, you um, burned me, Elder, years ago. Yeah, they were awesome. I remember that, bro. Yeah, Elder, it's like you're – it's just, again, they're they're in the kind of stoner psychedelic realm, but I know um, there's a, one of our buddies, uh, Sarasota Rick, um, loves Elder. I think, you know, their last couple albums, you know, they're just – they're an acquired taste. They're sort of jammy to a degree, but I think they're – they're one of my favorite stoner bands. Um, I really like Elder a lot. And, um, you know, and I, I didn't even know until we did the research, they were from Massachusetts, but uh, that's my number two. My number one, you, you, you motherfuckers can't pull my metal card. You know me well enough to know you can't pull my metal card. So I love the hair, the hair band music just as much as a lot of the other stuff. My number one New England band of all time is Extreme. Yes. <laughs> oh, 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 I made a joke. I, I I, that's what you get for oh, jokes. Look, I, it's I don't I don't like extreme because of more than words. You I like extreme, extreme because of like their Nuno Betancourt. Dude, Nuno Betancourt is a great guitar player, and you know Gary Sharon is a great singer. And I Hell know yeah, that he dude. didn't make sense, and he too. didn't make sense in Van Halen. That was Gage awful. Checked out. Gage checked out. He's like, but, <laughs> but no, dude. I, hey, Pornography is a great album. It still holds up to this day. I love it. What a dude, a great party. Come on, dude. Oh, good God. music is good music. That's right. Oh. Great up, dude. Ew, I. I grew up on the the thrash as much as I grew up on like Rat and and well, Motley dude, Crue and all that Nuno stuff too. So. Nuno Bentoncourt drops in in line with guys like. Um, uh, Lynch Mob, like George Lynch and Warren D. Martini. He is that virtuoso yes, type guy. That yes, I will heavy. give you that. But so you can't, you can't. Gary Sharon cuts through my brain. Okay, like a <laughs> like that scene in one of the Hellraiser movies where the guy's head gets mashed <laughs> with the other one. And now the Into the Void feature interview. And as promised, we have that feature interview with frontman and rhythm guitarist Mark Gaffney of the New England-based heavy rock band Gozu. So, Mark, what, what do you guys, what is Gozu doing to stay busy during this downtime? Um, I've been writing a ton, to be really honest with you. Um, so, myself and Doug literally will write, we record, and send back to each other that we sent to Joe and Paul. So, um, excuse me, to, to Pat. And uh, so we do a ton of that. But yeah, I just have been writing just, um, especially like lyrics pretty uh, furiously. And do you anticipate an album release like in the spring or something? Or well, what are you thinking? So we were, were supposed to record an album in August. So obviously mm -hmm. that's, gonna, I mean, studios, yeah. out of, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Some, I mean, we're hoping that they're all going to be able to last through this. We don't even know. Oh, damn. Um, so... It all depends on, you know, when you can even get doing that. Yeah, I mean, we were hoping to have something, you know, like uh, first of the year-ish. But now it'll probably be later on. So, um, you know what I mean? Yeah, it all depends on what's going on. I mean, everything is so up in the air now. Yeah, like we had great shows. They all got canceled. Um, you know, we moved into a new rehearsal spot. I mean, I I've been in there once, literally, because, you know, you can't go in and such to drop off gear. So, I mean, everything's at a complete standstill. Oh, you so, guys can't even rehearse? They won't even let you go in as a band to rehearse? Or? Um, they just started, but, I mean, it, it's tough with masks and everything, you know what I mean, trying to sing, and you're in this tiny room. I mean, it, it's a little, uh, yeah, it's a little complicated, shall we say. Yeah, it sucks trying to instruct to, like, teach or talk 
Yeah. Yeah. Me talk to that fucking thing. Yeah. And then, you know, but then they have to worry about, you know, their air system. You know what I mean? They have to do, redo all their HVAC and such. So you don't want to be a jerk, you know, to the people that own, you know, the studios. So, yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You have to be, uh, just frustrating for everybody. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. I mean, this has never happened before. I mean, Yeah. yeah, we were so excited. You know I mean? We came off. Like last year was one of our busiest years, you know, with we, we that tour, you know, that went into July. Um, and then, you know, we had shows all the way up. Into, and then we had probably the best European tour we had. You know, we came back, we're getting everything ready. And then, you know, all a complete standstill. Did you have any big tours or anything lined up? I know you said you had some good shows. Did you have anything lined up? For um, last couple? No, we, we had a couple of festivals that we were, you know what I mean? Uh, we're going to do in May in, uh, June and July, and so, and I know some of the festivals, you know what I mean, they, they tried to reschedule a few times, but, you know what I mean, then it was just, and they were going to be in New York, and we were like, there's no, no way, you know what I mean, we're going to be doing something like that. Uh, New York's on lockdown, man, it's like, uh, it's like Escape from New York, yeah, man. Yeah, you so go in, and that's it. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. And, 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 and 4 9 picks you up. Yeah, yeah exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cabby, what's up? Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, you worry about, you know, the guys that own clubs, like, I mean, you know, I, every, yeah. you know, club owner I spoke to, I don't think any of them got any assistance, which is complete insanity. Mm-hmm. And then there's, you know, multi-cajillionaires that are getting millions of dollars. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's zero yeah. rhyme and reason for how, how things are work. I mean, without clubs, I don't care if you're a musician or, or anything, you know what I mean? Yeah. Where do you go? You, sit you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. People don't realize, you know, if it's not for these clubs, whether, whether you're, it's like St. Vitus or it's a fucking dance, yeah. or whatever. Right. You don't go to these unless you want to sit in your house and pull your pud, and which nobody wants to do, especially now once this clears. I mean, yeah, clubs will start back up, open back up, or, you know, hopefully. But what about everybody that's got a club now? It's like, is it fuck them? No, that's that's not right. You know? Yeah, it's just, you know, I mean, th- there should have been some more thought, you know, that went into, you know, it, because it's not just people going to see music. You know what I mean? It's your bartenders. It's your sound guy. Yep. You know what I mean? It's It's, you know. There's so many different things that go into it that I, I think it just kind of, you know, pe- people are, you know, in, not to sound it, you know, let's say people are ignorant to it, but sometimes they are, you know what I mean? Uh, I think, oh, well, they'll get, they'll get bought. We take it for granted is what we yeah. do until, yeah, you, know I mean? you know, it gets backed up. Yeah. Play, you know what I mean? Like Lucky 13 is one of our favorite clubs. Uh, you know, there's clubs in, in Boston that probably aren't going to make it. it. I mean, it's really, you know what I mean? It's terrible. You know, another big thing too, Mark, is bands that are under contract to actually yeah. put stuff out and can't do anything right now and just are on hold oh, because yeah. it's it's because everybody, you know, whether like you said, it's the people that are working over um, in the recording studio or if it's the guys that are the crew that are on tour, you're also got to worry about, you know, the oh yeah, the human beings that are bands that we love mm-hmm. that just can't they can't do anything right now and that contract might fizzle out or get canceled or yeah. um, domino effect. Yeah. I mean, especially, you know, if you're a guitar tech, you're a drum tech, yeah. that, I mean, you know, you're someone that, you know, you're a stage hand, you know, things like that. I mean, not only you can't do music, you know, there, there's no more, you know, there's Broadway's not happening. Right. You know, there, there's, you know, people can't do plays. 
Hey, Mark, Mark, yeah. I wanted to, I wanted to ask you, um, cause Gozu is a kind of band that doesn't fit easily into a genre category. And I think that, right. you know, there's something to be said for, for that in, in a great way, but there's also something to be said where it makes it harder because there's some people that lump you with guys in with stoner, but I don't, I mean, I don't think any of us think you're a stoner band. Like you, right. you have a lot of those tropes that stoner has, um, not to mention you're a really good singer. And, and that's something that that style of music doesn't have a lot of either is, is bands that are known for having really, really good singers. So what would you label Gozu as a band if somebody said, hey, well, how do you describe you? Yeah, that's, that's a tough one. Um, soul metal. Uh, yeah. We call it soul metal. That- yeah, a bunch of people yeah, said it's like heavy soul music. Was, yeah. Nice. Was it is. Because, yeah, yeah, and we play with, so, I mean, you know, we played with Goat Horror, right? I mean, we played with the Casualties. You know, we played with you know, yeah, we did or Fu Manchu. Um, yeah, Worshipper. And yeah, no yeah we, 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 we have played with so many different <clears throat> bands, you know, that, that are different than us. But, yeah, you know, I, I think, you know, the basis of what we do is always on groove. You know what I mean? Yeah, groove. Um, yeah, sweet. I mean, that, that's by far. I mean, you know, Doug and I played in soul bands, you know, before we were in this, like open up for Parliament Funkadelic and things like that. So everything, you know, kind of goes, you know, on the groove. Um you know, it is, uh, but yeah, we get that all the time. Like, oh, you know, people want to be like, you know, are you this or are you this? It, it's it's a hard thing to, uh, you know, to, to kind of throw us into. Yeah, we get the stoner rock thing a lot. And, and then, you know, then some people will call us heavy. You know, it, uh, it's, it's interesting. You know what I mean? I think, uh, and then, you know, we get lumped into like one thing and then the other. I mean, they're all, you know, they're all stuff that we all listen to. You know what well, I mean? So I had a question for you, Mark. Yeah. J-Man here. Uh, you, you were on Small Stone for, for a bit yeah. there. Yep. And, you know, traditionally I've seen a lot of Small Stone stuff come through, you know, stonerock.com and all that's heavy.com. So it kind of had a, you know, their compilations were great. Corrosion, Wino, they do some great stuff. Right. What was, you know, you were kind of on Small Stone. How did you end up? you know, hooking up with those guys. How do we get on Small Stone? So um, that was 100% Craig Riggs from Roadsaw. Um, Uh, Yeah. yeah. Nice. So, yeah, so Craig, um, he let us uh, cut a demo and he sent it to Scott Hamilton for us. Um, It was just when Gozu had formed. Uh, You know, we were all in bands before and he asked, you know, are you guys on a label or anything? anything?" No, like we literally (laughs) just started. Um, So we did like, you know, an EP and then shortly after that, we were just writing, writing, writing. And, uh, you know, Craig said, why don't you guys come in, you know, do a two-tune demo, and I'll send it to Scott Hamilton. And literally, you know, right then and there is, is when we got on. I mean, we, I still speak to Scott all the time, and we did two albums on Smallstone. So, yeah. Um, yeah, and Locust Season was our first album, you know, that we did with Smallstone. Beautiful. Um, nice. So, yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, that was fun. I mean, you know. Now, but, uh, how did you get approached by Ripple? So when Smallstone wasn't, you know, I mean, poor Scott had, you know, that crazy flood and everything was going on and it was kind of, a, you know, uh, he, he had to do other things. Uh, we literally had, you know, so we recorded Revival on our own and we sent it out, you know, to a bunch of people and um, we had talked, you know, I, I think maybe three or four, but, you know, Ripple, <clears throat> excuse me, was the one that we ended up going with. Uh, and then we put, you know, so we put Revival out with them. And then literally shortly, shortly after we were playing at Lucky 13 and Chris Santos called us. Yeah. Uh, you know, he was at the show and 
He was like, nice. you know, and he was like, hey, I'm sending all this stuff to Brian Slago. We're like, yeah, okay. Yeah, okay, sure. You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> so sure, it was, and, 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 and yeah. we chatted, you know, and we chatted with him. We were kind of like, yeah, whatever. He's like, okay, so, uh, you know, I'll talk to you guys on Monday. And um, we had to play in Philly the next night. We were like, yeah, whatever. And, of course, on Monday, you know, uh, we got an email. We were like, what the f-? Yeah, and then a couple months later, you know what I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm in uh, Brooklyn having dinner with, you know, the band with him and Brian Slagle, you know, we're talking about, like, Metallica and stuff and Kerry King. It was yeah. insane. That's insane, <laughs> yes. It was yeah. crazy, yeah. Just, was, you know, from being at a show and, and, and he liked it and we were like, okay. So, yeah, I mean, it was kind of mind-boggling, you know what I mean? So you guys yeah. are on that steady, that steady climb. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, steady, it seems like. But yeah, yeah. In this day I mean, and age, that's, that's important, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and they are the nicest guys to work with. I mean, every, everyone at that label is pretty amazing. Good times. Yeah. And, and those, our last two albums, we've, we've recorded them like, you know what I mean? The songs were written really quick. Yep. Uh, the recording process was, you know, really simple. And I think a huge part of that is doing stuff with Dean Baltolonis. I mean, that, that guy's amazing. Mm. The sounds he would get. Yeah. Cool. Was, you know what I mean? And so when we did Revival, we knew, like, in terms of what we wanted for sound, but then we knew we wanted to, you know, to sound different. And uh, <clears throat> so, like, you know, the, my guitar setup was different and Joe's stuff. And Doug was, I don't, he, a thousand <laughs> different things. So, yeah, I, I think, you know, the more comfortable you are with an engineer and, you know, I mean, when you kind of, you know, pass the baton to them to be like, okay, I mean, this is, you know, th- this is what you do well. And he, I mean, he absolutely killed it. We would, you know, we recorded that and then we would do mixes. And then uh, after the mix, we would hop in his, uh, he had, you know, he had a Honda element. And so the four of us would get on and then we'd, we'd drive around and like crank it and just literally like, no one would talk, you know what I mean? And, and we would just listen and just on our phones be like, in the notes, be like, okay, maybe we should probably try and do this and try and do this. We tried to keep it like very, um, we wanted you know, it, it to be incredibly full and, and to have a lot of harmonies and not have like a ton of effect, shall we say, you know what I mean? We wanted it to, uh, to kind of have like an organic uh, feel, but also, you know, not like, something off of you know fury or things like that mm. so each album we do or write we always try to make it you know sound different it's just because you know i think all of us we're pretty impatient guys you know what i mean mm. so in in terms of uh let's just, you know we get tired of stuff pretty easily so we're always trying to do different things there's nothing worse than being on stage and just being like i gotta play this song again you gotta mm-hmm. be fucking kidding yeah. you know what i mean <laughs> so and then also you know it, when I go see music, if I hear five songs that sound exactly the same, I literally just want to like throw myself down, you know, the stairs and be like, okay, yeah. I'm good. You know what I mean? So if I feel like that, you know, I don't want to look up in the audience. It's just like, this sucks cock. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know what I mean? So you want it to be, uh, you know, different. And I think, you know, usually when I would do vocals, I'd have to sing everything in like a day or a day and a half. So this time it was great. So Doug would, you know, so everything was done almost. He'd do his guitar and I would just sing two songs a day is what I would do. And we end up, it was quick though, because we ended up keeping like, when I did my scratch vocals, I think we kept like four of them. Oh, wow. Uh, you know what I mean? So that, that, so that just gave me more time to be like, okay, 
I'm going to do, you know, make these choruses, you know, uh, I'm going to do like five backup vocals and then, you know, layer on top of that. So it just really gave us, you know, a lot of time to kind of think about, you know, and um, Equilibrium was the first album. Usually, you know, I go in and I'll mess with lyrics and stuff. This is the first album. I wrote like six of those songs, like 20 minutes. When they were done, they were done. You know what I mean? So, well, I want to ask you about that because that was something I was sure. talking to Bill about earlier. So uh-huh. you have some of the most unique song titles I have uh-huh. ever heard. It's, it's <laughs> yeah, almost, I was going there. I was going there too, man. I it's you almost have to. Like there, let's do it. Let's do it. Childhood with like Ricky the sure. Dragon. Yes. Manimal, Jan Michael Vincent, Bald Bull. I could yeah. go on and on and on and on. Right. Yeah. How do you attack a song? Do you write the lyrics first and then put the title to it or do you come up with so, the title and then write no it? yeah no so so the title is the last thing that you, so the title okay. is always the last thing okay yeah because there are times i'm like what the what the fuck's you know what, what's the name of that too what's this you know song I mean? about yeah you know oh yeah it's nothing to do with song. i mean the, the last time i mean yeah i mean the lyrics and, and people you know sometimes get so perturbed you're just like he's up you know what i mean well i was like yeah i'm not gonna have this song be like <laughs> for Tommy or something, you know what I mean? It's right, just right. not gonna, I just turned 48, you know, Doug is older than me. And it, you know, you, know, you want to, cause some of the lyrics are pretty heavy. So, mm. you know what I mean? You, you don't want to like come off as like this, you know, ultra sensitive, like, uh, so, you know what I mean? When, yeah. And a big it. thing that we always do is like, like too, is like, you know, you want to, you always want to like, if on the you know, you want to hear someone say like, Hey, Hey, okay. To the right now we're going to play. Hey, Hey, chicken George by Gozi. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and just, you know, you, Perfect. you, you, you can see my the guy broke my heart. <laughs> you know, yeah. you know you, you, yeah, you're just like, yep. you know, you picture like some guy being like, I fucking got to announce this shit on the radio. Yeah. Like, oh. <laughs> Yeah, you do. Irish yeah. dart fight. What the fuck, yeah. man? Like you know, you know, they probably know karate. Oh, we get with that you, title. Like we we're at a we we're at a club, and Doug said it, and we we're like, "That's amazing! <laughs> it's fucking amazing!" But you could probably you could literally design a, a trivia game around Gosu song titles to see, like you know, see like name a song title and, and see who can get like the reference. Like I was looking at signed Epstein's mom. I'm like, that's oh, gotta yeah. be Welcome Back Carter, right? That's exactly. gotta be. Yeah, there you yeah, go. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> or like you know, Jim Michael Vincent. I mean. Oh, Oh, yeah. 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 But, uh, but Mark, you're, the lyrics are, like, as you said, and, and you, you know, I know from what I understand, Equilibrium is a very, very personal album for you. Yeah. So um, yeah, yeah. G- can you talk about, like, that's, sure. a, that's a big difference yeah. between the song titles and what the songs are about. Yeah. So, yeah. So Equilibrium, yes. Yeah. So my dad had passed away in, in, in June, and we had to go in in July and start recording. Hmm. Um, you know, had the funeral and everything, and... Uh, it wasn't, it wasn't the next week. So it was a week after I literally, it was like a Tuesday. I literally, I was at work. I shut my door 
and I wrote six of those tunes in, in, literally in 20 minutes. They just came out. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I just was, because we, you know, I already had, you know, the music in my head and everything. And uh, I just needed, I, I think, you know, at that time to, to get everything out, you know what I mean? Um, Therapeutic, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it, it, was, it was probably the best therapy session I've ever had, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I just wasn't, in, I, you know, I was in a place to chat about it, but not like, you know, because, you, you, know, you know, I don't want to, you know, you don't want to bother your kids, your wife, right? You, you know, I certainly don't want to bother my mother or, you know, his, you know, siblings and such. So, it, you know, it, it whacked me for like a huge loop. Um, and he was by far like my biggest fan. Like I go on tour, he'd be so psyched, like, you know, Hey, you know, or, you know, when we got signed, he, he was like, <clears throat> you know, I would talk to him all the time. And so all of a sudden I'm like, okay, I gotta go into a recording. So I got to music and I would talk to him. So I, you know, I mean, on the way, you know, I, I would give him a call and, you know, and then in the same thing in the morning, you know, or I'd wake up and we'd talk about, you know, New York sports and everything, you know what I mean? So it kind of hit me. I was like, okay, because there's still times, you know, I'll, I'll hear, I'll be yelling about how bad the, the giants suck, right? <laughs> and I'll be like, oh, you know, maybe I'll, and I was like, oh, well, you know, I, I can't do that phone call, right? Everything kind of hit me. And I literally just literally 20 minutes, six tunes, bang, 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 bang. The only one that, <clears throat> excuse me, I didn't was um, uh, the, the last tune. Um, oh, Christ, because that was the first one that, uh, that I wrote. The Ballad of ODB? Yeah, The Ballad of ODB, yeah. That, that one, you know, wrote, that was kind of an on-the-spot one. But all the other ones, <clears throat> literally in that session, just I literally just had a pencil, done, mm-hmm. done, done. So that was like the first time that, that it ever happened where I just sat down, no guitar, nothing. I just had everything in my head and just cranked it out. And then I remember I was done, like, I, you know, I was at work. <laughs> I just had to like cut, you know, keep the door, you know, shut. And I just teared up for like five minutes and mm-hmm. then I was okay. Was- you know, I walked downstairs, like put water on my face in the bathroom and, you know, went back up and talked to students. But that was, uh, yeah, th- that was, that was probably the heaviest, you know, in terms of lyrics or anything like that, that, uh, it's interesting, you know, we'll, we'll do shows and I'll talk to people, you know what I mean? And like, Hey, because you don't think about it, you know, when you're writing it, you're more like, hey, if someone likes it, that's great, you know what I mean? But with that album, you get more and more people to say, hey, man, I was going through a hard time, and I listened to your album, thank you, you know what I mean? I was going, one guy was like, you know, I, my wife had passed away, and, uh, you know, I listened to your album, I was driving, you know, I just want to let you know. So it's it's nice, you know, when something so personal, you know, can help someone else, mm. you know what I mean? Because, um, you, you know, Music is, you know, obviously, you know, in terms of an elixir, right? And I mean, before I do anything, I listen to tunes, you know what I mean? You know, there, there's still some tunes, you know, you know, you listen to and you're like, oh man, that's hard to listen to. So just because, you know, it, it really sparks, you know, where you were, what you did and, you know what I mean? Um, you know, right down to the point, you know, I'll hear something and I'll be like, oh my God, I remember being in college and ordering something and that tune came on, you know what I mean? So it, uh, you know, if, if I could do half of that, I guess, to, you know, just to put a smile on someone's face, then it's heavy, you know what I mean? But, um, yeah, I, I, in terms of lyrics, I write pretty much, you know, what's going on. Like, I've never written about, you know, stuff that I have no idea about because it'd be bullshit, you know what I mean? So, it, you know, especially, you know, if I'm going to sing it, like, it has to be something that I understand, you know, that I'm into. 
If not, you know what I mean? I think people can see right through that, you know? If if I was up singing about me fixing like a GTO, people would be like, this fuck, <laughs> like, I know how to turn on a car, you know what I mean? <laughs> but beyond that, I mean. You well, know, that's I, one thing I noticed. Um, in my, I lost my dad in 98, and it was at a really, there's a lot of shit going on in my life. I was in, you know, I was getting divorced. <clears throat> um, I met my wife now, so that was great. But then I found out my dad had terminal cancer. Right. And all that. And that was like the biggest thing for me, I think, when I, because he was still, he was up in New England. So I went up to take care of him for like three right. months until he passed. And then going back to Florida, that was my biggest thing was finding a fucking outlet to yeah. let all of that rage. And I mean, I had, you know, Dave and Jay, we had Shiver. And I know Greg was, you know, Greg and I would go out and, and drink and party and right. when I was there. But that was the biggest thing was getting, finding an outlet. Detoxing. I went to, I, I was drinking, you know, I started yeah. drinking a lot and my, wife now was my girlfriend was like listen you need to fucking yeah you need to get your shit under control you need to find something so yeah i kind of i kind of did i kind of realized like hey everyone in my life thinks i'm kind of an asshole right now so i need to i need to find that out so that's good that you had that and i noticed that listening to the album when i found that out um i got i got pretty emotional like listening to some of the stuff because thinking through you or you know i'm like i said i just turned 50 yeah. close to the same age right mindset my dad was like my biggest yeah. you know friend best friend yeah, me too biggest cheerleader biggest backer like you know from when i and you know through middle school elementary school high school marine corps everything i did after that he was just like right there no matter yeah. what hey dad this is what i got going and calling him yeah yeah listening to your songs i'm like this is deep. Like this is, he feels like I felt back then and he did it. This is so awesome that he was able to do this. Yeah. W without that, you know what I mean? Yeah. It would have been tough. Like I, I not having that outlet. Yeah. It would have been pretty, pretty brutal. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, and when I was, you know, I'd go in and sing those tunes in, uh, in the studio and sometimes it was hard, man. Like I had to really kind of, uh, dig down because it was so fresh. I mean, it was like a month ago, you know what I mean? Scratching mm -hmm. um, at the scab. You're just like, man, yeah. So, you know, there, there was a couple of times where I was like, Jesus Christ. Like, it was literally like just someone just like doing like a three combo to my head. You know what I mean? But, you know, <clears throat> the, the guys were great because obviously, you know, I mean, they knew what was going on. I mean, Doug, you know, drove all the way up to Watertown, New York. Uh, you know what happened? So, um, and, you know, those guys didn't hear, you know, the, any of the lyrics until we went in. <laughs> you know what I mean? So when they heard it, the, you know, because there's a point, too, you know, because we're, we're an incredibly, you know, democratic band. You know what I mean? It's not like, you know, just one guy's going to do it and be like, well, that's how it is. Because it's not like that at all with us. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. if, if the four of us don't dig it, then we don't do it. You know what I mean? So there's, so, you know, you're right. And then you're like, well, you know, I, I hope these guys dig it. You know what I mean? So the first time I'm singing it, they're like, oh, so, you know, um, just through them and seeing them getting amped up. Um, then I was like, okay, all right, everything's, because, it, you know, writing such, I think, like a personal album, uh, you know, I mean, I, you always write from different things that you see, but a lot of times it's not from, you know, your, you know, the eye perspective. So yeah. that was the first time, you know, where I was just like, fuck it. I got to get this stuff too. out. It's like from the yeah. That's pure. That's to me, that's the purest. When you, when you listen to music, 
that is written like like through stuff like that to me that is the purest because you can tell that that person yet yeah, fucking pain is yeah. those lyrics bleeding into those lyrics and that music and that's to me those are the songs where I'm just like holy fuck man like this is giving me goosebumps this is yeah this right is me through them not really upset but I'm I'm emotional and that's yeah to me, if I can listen to a song. And it, it makes me emotional, whether it's to amp me up or it makes me sure. not really sad, but just emotional. Yeah. yeah. Fuck, like this is, that's powerful. I, I had a question you've mentioned. So Doug and Joe are still kicking it with you. Yep. Who's your drummer now, Pat? So yeah, Pat is, yep. Yeah. Um, he is the young one. I think, yeah, he's 31. Uh, so he also, he played in Sun Drifter. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. So cool. he's, he, yeah, he's got a great groove. Um, just a super nice, you know, uh, he's he's easy. So how yeah. how long have you been playing guitar, Mark? Um, so I started when I was a kid, but um, it was never you know I played sports and, and such, so it was never anything like that. I did you know um, the first lessons I took you know I, I took at a convent. <laughs> I went to a Catholic school. Me too. So you, you know what I mean? Yeah. So they showed like you like the C and G chord, shit like that. Um, and you then so the Sabbath chords, huh? Yeah. So <laughs> well, I, I don't, yes, I think the first time I really got serious was in college. So the first band I played in, I think I was 19 years old. Um, it was doing like, you know, like Jim Croce shit, you know what I mean? Neil mm-hmm. Young, a lot of like Bob Dylan stuff off of desire. Then my senior year in college, it was great. We had two drummers, two guitar players. It was definitely like, you know, we do like Skinner tunes. We would do all my brother's shit. Sweet. Um, and we did a lot of originals too. Cause I, I knew I enjoyed writing at that time. Um, and then, so I graduated from, <clears throat> excuse me, from college. And my first gig out of college was this huge festival at Albany university. And we opened up for social disorder, uh, so- social distortion. And, uh, the Ramones. I was 22 oh, years wow. old. Hey, that's <laughs> great. Wow. That was man, crazy, right? Great. Yeah. Damn. So, you know, yeah. So, and, and we were so, I mean, we were playing like pretty heavy soul music at that time. It was cool, man. Those other bands were like super nice to us. You know what I mean? They, you know, they had, you know, I, someone knew someone like, hey, you know, this band is brand new and we had, had all just moved there. And they were like, hey, do you, I, I think we sent uh, something to someone like well yeah we have this you know humongous like spring fest and we did it and we played on a stage you know that is it was it was ridiculous humongous and there was just i shit you not like 10 like 10 like 10 gallon buckets filled with heineken it was amazing (laughs) you know what i mean yeah and i remember just going and and, and even like you know yeah i remember going and just being like that's fucking joy ramon you know what i mean or that's mike ness you know just a wave and I remember like Joey Ramone, like you and I was looking up at the guy and I was like, what the fuck? He was like maybe the size of my leg, but yeah, it yeah. was, you know, I mean? like six, it, he's like yeah, six, ten. Yeah. It was amazing. Watch like, uh, you know, at that age, you know, seeing bands and stuff, but hence, you know, seeing from out in the crowd and stuff, see, watching that at the side of the stage in the control that those guys had and everyone waiting on his, you know, on his next word. I'd never seen anything like that. You know, like I had grown up, you know, I'd seen Stevie Wonder and everything, and that blew my mind, but I'd never seen, you know, like 10 feet away as someone just literally sweat dropping off and them just people just literally, you know, staring at him, you know, waiting on every word. It was amazing. It kind of like 
change, you know, definitely the way I thought about music after that. Mm. It was definitely like a, an eye-opening experience at 22 years old, you know. Hey, Mark, I wanted to ask yeah. you, because you're, you're in that, that kind of club, I'd call it, of, of singer-guitar players. Um, and, I, right. and it's like a – I'm not saying it's rare, but I think um, as someone who's tried it, it's – I mean, I've, I've done it for a long time, but I've, I've never been super proficient at playing and singing at the same time. So for you, what, what's been the key to being a singer but also playing guitar at the same time, and how did you get good at that? You know, when I was just starting out and stuff, you know, just was playing and kind of understanding what you're doing. I got really good, you know, so when Doug and I started playing together, I like, you know, I had to, you know, I, I would watch him a ton just because he's, he's, he is by far, you know, one of the best guitar players, you know, I've ever played. He's one of my favorite players anyway. Um, and uh, so literally like we would practice to a metronome, you know what I mean? And, you know, a lot of it was just like single strokes. So we, we you know, I would just do single strokes just to, you know, during the tune, you know, when he and I would just play and we'd be writing songs and uh, it would kind of take your mind off of it. And then, you know, and then when, you know, you're doing, you know, your, your hands are going, you know, during like Nature Boy, you know, when you're doing that riff and I'm singing and stuff, it's really kind of just, um, just from kind of practicing, but, you know, just kind of an out of sight, out of mind thought. Like if, if I really thought like what my hands could do, I'd probably be like, oh, I'm fucked. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's just, I, I think, you know, when I, when I sat down to write that in different things, um, it was really kind of um, just thinking, you know, how am I going to do this? How am I going to be able to sing? You know what I mean? Is, is there a different place I could play it on the neck and such? But really, it, it would just come down to um, all feel, to be 100% honest with you. Because, mm-hmm. you know, there, there are times those guys will be like, well, do this. It's like... What's, you know, I don't even know what the fuck you're talking You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't know what any chords are. I can't tell you what a goddamn note is or anything. You know what I mean? I'm just lucky enough. I'll put my hands there. And if it sounds good. Um, but the, the biggest was just, you know, playing with him and just him being like, try different things to be, you know what I mean? And just watching how he does things. And, you know, like even watching him warm up, that helped me an absolute ton. So probably when I was like 40, <laughs> I think is when I started to get, you know, kind of more confidence um, playing and singing and really doing, you know, a lot of different things, especially with, you know, cause a lot of that stuff that he and I are, you know, doing the same thing. And then, and then I'll do something and he'll harmonize to that. So really it's, you know, there's a part of it that, you know, you don't want to sound like shit either for the other guys in the band. So then it was more me just, you know, when I was at home, just literally, you know what I mean? Just, you know, just trying to, trying to do different stuff. Like, like Lorenzo Lamas, you know, that tune literally was like, it just came to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Years ago, that would never happen. But just luckily, just from playing with him and him, you know, and I just like trying to, and I, I think a ton of that too is being such an Alma Brothers fan is that, um, you know, I, I, I would I would literally watch those guys and then, you know, really be into like Derek Trucks and things like that mm. or, or like Warren Haynes, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's really just – watching you know and a lot is like how do you hold the guitar how do you not you know what i mean so mm-hmm. it, it's really i think the biggest thing is just being comfortable it's Tell just really us. like stretching your hands and, and all this other shit mark kind of, you bring up you bring up your guitars i've seen your nomads yes. talk about yes. those they're beautiful um, man that guy's so, doing some yeah art so the munson guitars yeah yeah um so i i knew about him so i interviewed mike from yob gosh a long time ago and um I, this was, I, I think, yeah, I had back surgery and stuff. 
uh, my second one. And, um, and we just talk about guitars and he's like, Hey man, you should call this guy. And I was like, well, that's super nice. I was like, you know, Hey, I'll reach out. And I wrote you out and, and, I, and I reached out to, to Brett Munson and he would, could not have been a nicer guy. Mm. And I was like, Hey man, you know, I'm looking for this. And he was like, Oh, I'll make it for you. And I was like, exactly what I wanted, you know, and, and at that point, you know, I didn't know a ton about like, like I knew about guitars, but not like I wasn't an aficionado in wood or different things like that. And then, you know, so I had that and then <clears throat> he made me my pale horse, which is seven pounds. And that changed like, so we went on tour in June and my strap broke and, and part mm -hmm. of the top of the, you know, uh, the head broke off the headstock. And so when we, so I played the nomad when we went back over to, um, you know, to Europe in November, they're, they're amazing guitars. They're so easy to play. They're built, you know what I mean? And mm -hmm. the, the shape of them kind of molds to your body. And, and for me, you know what I mean? Like I would play Les Pauls. I look like a ukulele, you know what I mean? So I wanted something also that, that, you know, was a bit thicker and, and, um, where my hands could get down a little bit more too. Right. And just, you know, everything he, I mean, he destroyed it, you know, yes. and he is probably one of the nicest guys, you know, that you could ever, you know, chat with. He's just a super good dude. Now, is that, when him. it comes, when it comes to your, um, when it comes to your tone, yep. uh, aside from your guitar, uh, are you using your, your amp or your pedals to actually define the Gozu sound yeah. that you're going for? So, so Doug and I have like way different tones. Um, so I, I'm a, uh, <clears throat> I'm a neck pickup guy. And, and so I have my treble set at like two and my bass is cranked. You know what I mean? Oh, I see. So you're, almost, yeah. you're doing like a baritone guitar in between bass and. Yeah. Bass so, and, like and then I, then I use, um, so I have a couple pedals that, you know, actually, so I use a, a, you know, a black arts, um, pedal. I used to use a couple of those, but I, I've toned down my pedal board Okay. <laughs> as, 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 you know, you get older and, and you don't want to carry as much stuff. So, um, I use, you know, the Black Hawks pedal, a Black Arts pedal. Um, I also uh, I use the Foul Sounds and, um, and just a tuner. So I would run, you know, Sweet. three different fuzz. And um, I just, uh, and then <clears throat> a lot of the sound I get too is from the amp. Is that, you still use yeah. the Sun? So I have, um, so I was using, so I had a Sun. Um, I have that amp pack that I use. And then I just got, um, you know, one of these, the Black Hawks. Well, a while back. So yeah, and then I and then I my cab is a two twelve with a fifteen. Okay. Because I, because I wanted more of that. And even the you know the four twelves I played are, are a bit bigger. So um, and then I you know for strings I use twelve through sixty, um, and uh, I use Arcana pickups and I also use Zombie Dust pickups too. So when I would talk to those guys, that they would literally I would say, hey, this is what I'm thinking. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And uh, I'd say you know something like a Matt Pike or something, you know, like a Josh Homme or even like a Dwayne Allman. And they'd be like, okay, well, and they'd make them and they'd play them for me. And they'd be like, oh, okay. So, you know, I, I've been really lucky um, to have guys, you know, that have made stuff for me and kind of knocked it out of the park. And then I think, you know, it's also, there's, there's a thing with your hands, you know what I mean? Um, and also like how hard do you hit the strings or not? Yes. So yeah. Yeah. Mine is definitely though, really, you know, the pickups, um, you know, the, the really the kind of the mid and the bass on the amp. And then definitely, you know, um, I usually run a couple pedals together. Well, let's uh, talk about your, the, the amps of choice right now that you're using. How, before you even turn your pedal on, what, yeah. what kind of sound are you trying to get out of that amp? And how good are those guys with 
getting you the the kind of customized sound you want? Um, yeah. So my last name that I got, um, I definitely wanted like that Model T sound. You know what I mean? I was looking for really kind of that dope smoker sound, mm-hmm. uh, to be honest with you. As I've gotten older, like my affinity for Matt Pike has kind of gone through the roof. Right. Uh, I mean, because what he does in High and Fire and what he does in Sleep are way fucking different. You know what I mean? Even like the pedals he uses are different. And I love that, you know, sustained rum. You know what I mean? Yeah. I love that shit. So, you know, um, and, and I think, you know, just your ears get a little bit more in tune. Um, so really, you know, and I know um, Brooks has made a couple heads for, uh, you know, Matt Pike. And, and, and I had said, this is what I'm thinking. He's like, oh, dude, I got this thing. He's like, how about this? And he played it. And I was like, oh, this is amazing. So, um, so there's times, yeah, you definitely rely on your pedals. But when I'm playing my own rig, yeah, I have it completely dialed in. You know what I mean? I know where it is. I mark everything off. And yeah, finally, I'm, I could not be happier with, with um, you know, everything I use. So all I need now is just, so, because when I was thinking, I was like, I would love to be able to play like, you know, a luthier's guitar. You know what I mean? I'd love to play like guys, you know, pedals that, you know, it's made, you know, in their, you know, they, they thought about it in their mind and, and they're not in some fucking assembly you know what i mean yeah it's almost craftsman you're looking for craftsman style stuff you know you know i mean craft pedals you know exactly you know you you want like like the michelangelo of 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 Mm -hmm. amps you know what i mean right you want you know you 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 want your every pedal you know what i mean to be something like sistine chapelish so my thought was like why the fuck am i gonna you know give this corporation who doesn't give a shit about they don't know who i am and nor do they care. And the wood's probably been sitting there for eight years. You know what I mean? And they're going to charge me too much fucking money. So why, if, if I'm going to get something, then I should probably play something that I've spoke to the person who made it. You know what I mean? Um, they're also guitar players. You know what I mean? Thank like I you. said, like I, told, I think I told you that one night. Um, I was like, you guys are on the fucking cusp, man. Like you, thank you. I see you on tour. Like, fucking metallica or something so i see <laughs> that wonderful it's, yeah it's Thank there you. i i can mm-hmm. i can fucking feel it it's just it's just you know like like i said that steady progression you know you guys have, have something that's that's awesome and different and that's yeah, why thank I, you but thanks totally. a lot mark yeah I thank you guys mark. yeah thank take you. care stay safe That concludes this episode of the Into the Void Music Podcast. For more information about Into the Void, visit their Facebook page or email into the void music pod at gmail.com. Into the Void is Dave Manick, Lord Gates, Wild Bill, and J Man, and is produced by Dave Manick for Manic Panic Media. We'll see you next time as we venture into the void. <laughs> <laughs>